Welcome back to Box to Box. This is Akshay introducing you for the first time in a while. Uh, for those of you who are longtime listeners, you may remember my pretty shoddy introductions from the early days of this podcast. Um, but I'm here with Jesse. We unfortunately only have the two of us today, or fortunately, depending on uh, which ones of us you're fans of on the on the podcast. Um, but it's just Jesse and myself today. Probably, a, I, I'd say Jesse will do things a little more informal. Um, maybe so. should talk about the other other pod members a little bit, if we may so take on that privilege. Um, but yeah, a, a semi-eventful week, I would say, in, in the football world. Um, some pretty big Premier League uh, results, which we'll get to in a second. Uh, and some upcoming Champions League fixtures to talk about as well. And uh, some other, maybe not so great news coming out of the Champions League front as well, which we'll touch on later on sure. in today's episode. Um, but yeah, we'll jump right into it uh, with the Premier League results from this weekend. And there was, uh, right off the bat to start things off, a pretty big win for Leicester against Leeds. This was Jesse Marsh's uh, first match in charge of Leeds United. He takes over from Marcelo Bielsa. Uh, and it doesn't start out ideally for Leeds, although they did pretty, uh, they played pretty well in this one, Jesse, I have to say. Yeah, I mean, I, I think this is kind of one of those games that you look at and you look at the result and it doesn't really reflect the way the game was played if you didn't watch the game at all. Um I don't think Leeds dominated the game, but I do think that they at least deserve something from it. Um, I mean, if we, if we just take a look, you know, you know, I'm not a, the biggest on stats because I think it's the eye, it doesn't always do the eye test, but I mean, 50-50 on possession, almost triple the amount of shots, um, same amount of shots on target, 1-0 finish. And Leicester were more clinical with their chances, obviously, but I don't think this is anything to write home, home about Harvey Barnes, you know, Harvey Barnes, doing what he does best you know he, I thought he played a very solid game um but besides that I don't think there's much to write home about it's nice to see Jamie Vardy kind of get back into the mix as he's been out for a while but like yeah, I, said, I mean you have to say the difference he makes when he's on the pitch just you see the body language of all the lesser okay. players change you see the pace change he just he really does make that big of a difference of course and it's a, yeah. this is one of those things where you look at Vardy and you go well he's getting older you know is he as good of a player and it's kind of the things again you know if you look, if you're just looking at stats, doesn't catch the eye test of is he is he's a leader. He's someone that motivates his players, someone that they're working harder for. I mean, this is a guy that has consistently for years been what I would consider to basically be the face of Leicester. Um, has been the the biggest reason why they have consistently been a threat for many teams, top four chances for years. Um, it's a shame they don't have it this year, but I mean, look at the difference with him in the lineup and not him in the lineup, just in terms of the way he affects the other players. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's all those intangibles you mentioned. And it, it, I think mentioning tenure is a huge thing, right? I, I believe he's currently the longest tenured uh, player in so. any Premier League pro, uh, club, which in itself is an impressive achievement, given how much turnover there is, you know, across international football, especially nowadays. But it really is, you know, especially in, in English football, that that tenure element really demands respect. You know, the longer you've been with your club, the more respect you demand uh, from the other players. And you can very clearly see that with Leicester. And it, it makes a visible difference, as we see. And they, you know, uh, they come away with a pretty tough win. I, I'd say for Leeds, it's definitely a step in the right direction. You saw a lot of improvement, especially on the offensive front, uh, the moves they were putting together, uh, dominating possession against Leicester for pretty much the entire match. And, you know, I think uh, Jesse Marsh is lucky not to see a goal in his debut. So it's definitely a step in the right mm -hmm. direction for Leeds. Uh, but I agree with you that, you know, there's still a lot to go. And I, I would remain a, a, an apprehensive mode if I were a Leeds fan. Absolutely. I mean, I, Leeds are in a tough position, though. I mean, they are certainly not out of this relegation race, unfortunately, at all. No, I, do really, I mean, 
for anyone that you know really does enjoy just watching EPL games in general, not just their team. Leeds are a lot of fun to watch. Whether um, you're normally in for a treat in terms of the fact that their defense isn't very good and they give up the most goals in the prem, so the offense, the other team is going to be attacking a lot. But they also go all out on attack, and uh, it makes for a very interesting back and forth game. A lot of counterattacks um, on both sides, uh, which the game just kind of opens up for a lot of chances. Whether they're actual, you know, creeds and shots or actual potential chances, there's. Um, a lot of opportunity to watch a very good game. So I would definitely really want to see them stay up in the table. Um, you know, why do you want to pop into the next game? Yeah. So uh, going chronologically, I believe that takes us to Aston Villa, Southampton. Um, very one-sided from the start, this one. I believe Aston Villa were up 3-0 by halftime. So uh, yeah. it was pretty clear who the winner of this one was. What did you say? They were up 2-0 by halftime. Oh, 2-0, and, yeah. Uh, Coutinho and Ings scored right, right. back-to-back in a minute or so. That's correct. That's correct. So, yeah, but, uh, you know, Villa dominating from the out could have had it three, four, maybe even five by halftime. So and this one was never close. And uh, oh, is it a particularly worrying result for Southampton, do you think? No, I, I mean, I, I think that and it's actually I look at more from Villa's standpoint. I think the last time I did have to miss the uh, podcast last week, but two weeks ago, I, I talked about um, one of the things about the, uh, the Villa team. Look at them and they have talent all over the field. They have a top. I think they have a top six goalie in the Prem. Maybe, to, you know, he won goalie. I think he won EPL goalie of the year last year from that. Martinez, yeah. So, I mean, he's a, he's a phenomenal talent. Um, they have Coutinho. I mean, they got Matty Cash. They have Douglas Luiz, um, Ramsey in midfield. Um, All players Mings. aside from Ramsey, who looks brilliant. Against yeah, Adams, I mean, that, you know, um, Tyron Mings. I mean, they just got Luca Dina. Uh, but I mean, you have Ings, Ings and Watkins up top now with Coutinho. I mean, they, that's a, I mean, that's a scary for it, three. It, 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 their, their results on paper don't show it, but it is. It's, it's, that's a, well, that's maybe even top five front three in the Prem. I personally think that the, in terms of, besides for Leicester, I think that Villa are the most disappointing team this year in the Prem. I mean, this is a yeah. team that I think that on any given night can, can at least compete, maybe not with the likes of City or Liverpool, but I mean, they could they could give, you know, when Chelsea aren't, aren't at their best, when I mean, I don't know how Arsenal are getting results right now. They're not actually, I don't think, playing great football, which we could talk about, but they're getting results and being clinical. I mean, they could push Arsenal, um, Man U, Tottenham. I mean, so, yeah. I mean, I, I look at this team next year and they go, you know, if they're not top 7, 18, probably this, probably disappointment. Yeah. And there, this is maybe the start of the revamp under Steven Gerrard that I think a lot of Aston Villa fans were anticipating, especially, like you said, with the talent they have. And, you know, they, they, the only direction they can go now is up if they want to see any success with Steven Gerrard as manager. So you're right. So, you know, the, the rest of the results of this year are going to be really telling, I think. Uh, and they've got a lot of forward momentum to go off of now. So Absolutely. And I'm trying to throw back to you. I mean, what do you think that this is more about, you know, uh, Villa starting to find the team that they've probably been looking for all season? Or is this more about, you know, they just bet, you know, you know, ran over a bad team. I mean, I, I wouldn't say Southampton certainly defensively are nothing special, but I would say more this is the Villa that Villa fans have been wanting to see for most of the season, especially after they signed Coutinho. I mean, we saw how big of a difference he made on the field uh, in this match. Uh, and he really is the, is supposed to be the instrumental guy for them now. Uh, you know, they brought in Danny Ings, should have added more striking power. He has yet to really get off the mark. He gets, uh, I believe, two goals in this match. Uh, so that's welcome to see if you're a Villa fan. So everything that should have been going for them right as it should have been all year or as fa- Villa fans would have expected, that's what happened in this match. So, yeah, I would agree that it's 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 more of a Villa showing what they should be showing. Yeah, I'm, correct you really quick. Ings and um, and uh, Watkins both scored. 
yeah. scored once. Everybody so, who um, should have scored scored essentially. <laughs> yes. So, but I, you know, it's I also like the fact to see both of them start in the starting lineup, which is something that we clearly haven't seen enough. Coutinho, instead of going from the left, dropping back into what I think is his better position as, you know, not really a he's not a playing a false line. It's more of a uh, no. cam role as a number it's ten. It's more traditional cam. Yeah. Yeah, it's more traditional number ten role. Um, and I think that he excelled very well, and I think that's where he's best at. As he's got great dribbling ability, doesn't have he's not the paciest player, and um, I think he's got a lot more opportunity to create chances through the middle. Um, he's played Absolutely. great. Well, we move into the next game, which I believe was Chelsea, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I mean, we could bounce around at uh, Burnley uh, losing 4-0 to Chelsea at home. Uh, I'd say pretty st- straightforward for Chelsea. I don't think, you know, people are expecting Chelsea to drop any points in this one. Uh, for Burnley, yeah, another step towards relegation. And it's not really looking good for Sean Dyche. No, not, not good at all. I do want to point out, though, in terms of Chelsea, one of the things I said podcast a few weeks ago is that when Chelsea were at their best, and I remember you, you were on this as well, I said that they, would, they did not play Werner up front. They played Ty Howard's up front, and it allowed for more of yep. a, a free-flowing front three. And that's exactly have, what they did in this match. Well, it's not just this match. It's been the last few matches. They've looked right. a lot yep. better. Um, and, I mean, I felt I actually felt Lukaku has started to play a little bit better over the last few matches. He's starting to make an impact, which is yes. his his standard this season. That's above that's above average. So. Of course, unfor- unfor- you know, for a $100 million player, it's pretty pathetic. But, yeah. you know, it, it, again, though, when we look at, you know, we've always talked about the you know Werner and especially now Lukaku in terms of is it them or is it the fit at Chelsea and when you play that when you have two guys such as Pulisic Mount sometimes they do you know the etch as I, as you guys know I'm a big fan of um sometimes Hudson Adoy but you know it needs to be a very free-flowing front three as they're very they can be very interchangeable and you see when Liverpool are at their best as good as Bobby's been for them you know for years they now put Jota they you know with Douglas uh, sorry um Luis Diaz is the next house. Well, pretty much. I mean, he's the same player as Jota, essentially. Exactly. But think about it. They have the same idea of a free-flowing front three. They've kind of thrown Mane into that striker role, but it's kind of a free-flowing where as long as you put the talent there, they can kind of interchange within position. And we're seeing that consistently. And when Chelsea, and I think when Chelsea do that, they're at their best. So also great to see kind of, you know, Reese James back on the pitch. Oh, yeah. And immediately making an impact. Imme- immediately, he had, he, had, he had multiple assists in that game. He may have. I know he had a. I know he had a goal. He had, definitely um, had at least one assist. Again, but by the way, Kai, Kai Havertz scoring two goals. I mean, again, this yeah. is a guy that they bought, paid so much money for. He should be. It's it's kind of like the Villa situation, right? Where it's like this is what Chelsea should be doing all season. Long. Yeah. Look, if, if it if it was me and I was the manager, my starting my starting lineup at least right now is Havertz at striker. I have Mount on one side. I have Ziyech on the other side. And I have Pulisic as a super sub. Mm-hmm. That like that that's what I would go with. It, it doesn't at this point. It doesn't matter how much you paid for you know Lukaku. If he's not, if he doesn't give you the best chance to win, he just doesn't give you the best. Also, chance if he's not to fitting win. your system, right? I mean, if your system is about offensive interchangeability, you know, the same type of style that City is playing and that is becoming vogue in the Premier League, especially, is that sort of offensive depth that allows you to put different people playing striker. You don't you don't necessarily have an out and out striker, right? And and again, we discussed this earlier when we were talking specifically about Lukaku. It's just he's not fitting Chelsea's system. Why does he need to be there? Exactly. And, you know, I, one thing that happens is, you know, his movement in, you know, just outside the box to getting in the box is just brilliant consistently. His ability to time runs, his ability to know where to be um, when someone else has the ball is just fantastic. And it's, it's great to see someone that's such a young player have such a high IQ and be able to capitalize on it. Um, Yes. And let's, let's, let's keep swinging it through. So Newcastle 2-1 Brighton. Um, 
Brighton continue to downfall, Newcastle continue to rise. It's continuations for both teams. Look, as long as Newcastle keep winning, we're going to keep talking about them. And oh, how yeah. about a blistering, blistering start from them? Oh, yeah. The, that first half was spectacular. I mean, it's it's and it's how they've come out all 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 calendar year. It's just brilliant first halves from Newcastle consistently. Um, and you got to credit more and more Eddie Howe, I think. I mean, the, 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 the job he's come in, you know, to be put in this situation uh, so abruptly uh, with, you know, all that's going on in Newcastle in terms of the change of ownership. Uh, the change, the constant changing of the goals of what they're hoping to achieve, especially this year. Uh, I think the job he's done is fantastic. Yeah, I can agree more. I mean, we talked about it. I mean, this is a team that was big ambition. I mean, I mean, like I said, when was the last time that we saw a team that was in the relegation battle sign a $45 million center midfielder? It just doesn't yeah. happen. Yeah, that they, they, they normally don't sign them more than a, you know, 15, you don't even see a $15 million signing normally from a team that's in this case. So they clearly have big ambition. Um, Look, I mean, is it a long-term project for them? Absolutely. But it is very nice to see them consistently be doing better. I mean, depends if you like watching Newcastle or not. Um, I do think, unfortunately, you know, unfortunately, as much as people hate their new ownership, um, I do think for the sport of football and at least for the EPL, having them in the Premier League just makes them even more exciting and more topics to talk about. Oh, yeah. And, you know, it, it, it ironically, it, it could increase the parity as well. You know, if you okay. have, if it becomes a top seven and, it, instead of a top six, I mean, that's, you know, yeah, we I mean, all, look, it, we all know it, the it, impact that could have. We saw what happened when Manchester City rose to power. So, of course, look, it, it could it could absolutely one day. And um, you know, the one the one thing with Newcastle again, you look you look at this game and yeah, yeah, stats really don't tell the whole story. Oh, yeah. Did they get outshot? Yes. Did they did they have did they have half the amount of passes? Yes. Was their pass accuracy? That's what they did with it? Points lower, of course. But when you also when you score two goals in the first fifteen minutes. You kind of sit back and relax. That's part. That's part of the game plan. Yeah. So, um, you know, I speak with someone that said like, "Oh, well, they got outplayed." It's like, no, they didn't. They, no. they this is this is what happens. You you score two goals and you say, "Come score two on us." You're not going to do it. Well, we have well, we set our players. Not back. with Brighton's so, finishing, especially. Not with Brighton's finishing, of course. I challenge Brighton to score two goals on almost any team right now. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, it does really seem to be a challenge for them. We talked briefly about Brighton. I mean, it. it it's getting to the point of worrying for Grand Potter, especially given the the dichotomy of situation that they were in for the first half of this Premier League season. They, they, they were top. They were top. Six. We we were talking about the same them the same way we're now talking about Arsenal, Wolves, and um, and uh, whoever the other team is that's chat West Ham. We were West talking Ham. about them in that context. We were talking about hey, Brighton could challenge for European football this year. And of now course. I don't. And now you know they're way out of that conversation, long yeah. gone. And they might be. They may be looking at a relegation a relegation threat by the end of the year. And, and this is and this goes back to what I was saying a few weeks ago about Tottenham. And people were going, you know, the you know not. It's important to not get too high and not to you know, not get too low. As you know, we're talking about is this Tottenham's like time to now as after they beat City and I talked about how they were in first place under Mourinho, and all of a sudden, by the end of the season, he was hacked. This is what happens, you know, uh, two months in football is a very long time. Two weeks in football is a long time, but two months is certainly a long time. And it's important that, you know, you got to understand, it's, it's not just, you know, football, it's, it's baseball, it's, you know, it's, it's hockey. You, you, you get hot streaks and you get cold streaks, it happens. And it normally balances out throughout the season. You normally find your way more where you're supposed to be. Like, um, did, you know, we're Tottenham blistering hot last year, yes. They finish very cold. Yes, were they really that talented of a side? Absolutely not. They finish where they probably deserve to be. Absolutely, like they, they beat City and then uh, what? Didn't they lose to like Burnley? Very um, like, right after. Yeah, Tottenham lost to Burnley. Yeah, that's yeah, what we all memed on. Yeah, lost to Burnley right after. So like, it's important not to get too high and not yeah. to not get too low. Same thing for Brian. Or Brian, a very talented team. 
I'd say Lampy's probably their best player. He's a great player. Oh, let's have some respect for Trossard now. Oh, my God. I mean, I like. Or at least no Mopet. Come on. Fine, fine, fine. I'll give you Mopet. But I, I do think that Lamp- I think Lampy's a very good player. and um, That's true. They, and he should have been, I mean, he should have been on to better and bigger things this past summer, but they managed to hold on to him, which was well, a miracle in and of itself, I think, for Brighton. Kind of like so. a $45 million price tag. I'm, so- I'm shocked he's not sold yet. Yeah. I mean, it's, and he definitely will be gone this summer if, if they have any smarts about him. But, um, of course, they use it to be. Yeah, I mean, it, but it, yeah, yeah. And, and, and it's like you said, and it's like we discussed. Um, I don't know if it was last week or the week before, but we talked about, right? Like, and I think it was in the context of West Ham. Like, this is exactly the time period where you, you see the true character of teams tested, right? And Brighton are experiencing that test now. Is, is this period right after the holidays, right? When you come back for the new year, these first few months of the, of the calendar year are always the toughest test for any team uh, in European football. And Brighton is feeling the full force of that, I think. Absolutely. So let's keep it moving. Norwich uh, still dropping points and dropping them against relegation rivals now. Bradford beat them 3-1 uh, at Norwich's stadium, whose name I'm forgetting, but is it really important? The fact is Norwich are going to be relegated and Bradford have taken a huge, huge step towards safety. I mean, they, Norwich's team just isn't good enough. They, they haven't been all season. Bradford <laughs> just I'm played gonna... better. I mean, it's... And, it, and it's unfortunate because... Uh, I, I do I do love seeing Pookie score goals up top, so uh, I will be missing that. Yeah, he's great. Uh, I, we still all love him for what they did to Man City last year. Um, Absolutely, or two years ago. Uh, yes, but always fresh in our minds that that lovely, lovely afternoon. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Norwich have come a long way from that, and uh, yeah, I, I don't. They could perennially just be one of those teams that constantly gets promoted and immediately relegated, promoted again, relegated. It just seems like they're going into that cycle. It, it could be. I mean, but you also got to look at the performance and you're shooting yourself in the foot when you give up two penalties. Mm-hmm. You, you just, I mean, you're, you're causing, you're, you're causing self-damage. Um, any, anytime you give up two penalties in a game, like yeah. it just, it's just not good enough. It, it's, it's a lack. It's, um, you know, it's, it's a, it's a lack of IQ. It's a lack of professionalism on the pitch. And, and a lot of times this happens with teams is you're not in a good stretch and bad decisions happen and this and we're seeing that firsthand with them yeah nice return to form for yeah. ivan tony as well uh moving and on wolves speaking of, bad, yeah, say, right. speaking of bad run of form let's see let's let's yeah. talk about wolves crystal palace wolves, wolves are, nil crystal palace two at molyneux that's pretty worrying if you're a wolves fan oh wolves wolf season has been a little bit disappointing ever since they complained about arsenal celebrating on their pitch and then blew the lead against them right after two weeks later which felt by the way i watched the entire game the, and now now it's just said right after it feels like a champions league league's night i oh, mean yeah. it i watching that game you could feel the energy from you know the tv and uh i mean wolves have done nothing since they they have been poor um and again, this is another team where I think they are very, they are very talented. They are very, um, they have a phenomenal goalie. They have a good enough offense. I think Ruben Neves is a fantastic, fantastic midfielder. I think a great leader as well, absolutely. especially at, at, at a younger side age to be exactly you know, a captain's role. You put him with Giamatino. I mean, that's a that is a hardcore midfield. Um, so, I mean, that's Portugal's it, midfield essentially. <laughs> exactly. Well, I mean, keep in mind this so like two years ago, wasn't it? It was basically the Portugal team. Um, yeah, that's facts as well. <laughs> I, I think, I think this is less on Crystal Palace. I do like seeing Crystal Palace really improving, especially under Patrick Vieira, which I love to see. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this is way more on Crystal Palace, though. Sorry, this is way more on Wolves than Crystal Palace playing yeah. well. I know Palace is basically Wolf Sahar doing 
you know, once it, it looked like the palace of a few years ago, where it's just Wilf Saha doing all the carrying all the load, basically. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's nice to see Crystal Palace succeeding. I love, like you, I, I'll second your your point that I love seeing Patrick Vieira succeed as a manager. You know, he's a Premier League mainstay. He's somebody that anybody who calls themselves a fan of the Premier League should be a fan of, even as a Manchester United fan, I will say. I love Patrick Vieira. So, NYCFC um, manager as well. Yes, yes, correct, correct. And um, and uh, was it Nice? Was it Nice? I think briefly Nice, yeah. Or was yeah. that before or after NYCFC? I don't know. After It was after. Yeah, yeah. I don't think that was particularly successful, but <laughs> Crystal I, Palace, I, he's done a great job with. I, I was in Nice and saw, I went to a game and saw him, and saw him coach. Oh, yeah. so, nice. Is he particularly uh, animated? Honestly, I don't remember the game one day. No. <laughs> <laughs> Probably he didn't do a good job then. Yeah, but um, but uh, Liverpool beating West Ham 1 0. Uh, Liverpool stay in the chase against City. That's still a six-point gap, I believe. Um, West Ham lose vital ground in the push for European football. And it's too bad because I actually thought West Ham played a pretty, pretty, yep. pretty. They solid looked like game. the better team for a lot of, um, yeah, a lot of, a, the, the the second half especially. A, a non-Declan Rice team as well, I should mm-hmm. mention. Um, no, I thought that they played very well. Unlucky not to get a goal on multiple occasions. So. Um, but at this point, it's 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 not about you know you look at West Ham, it, it's not about performances, it's about it's about results. You're you're anywhere from fifteen to nine, maybe in the table. Performances may be important. At this point in the season, if you're looking for now really them, it's you know more about competing for Europa League as they've had a big pretty yeah downward spiral spiral as well as the fact that they have so many you know other teams have so many games in hand. Um, it, performances aren't, aren't good enough anymore. And I understand losing one nil to Liverpool is a pretty fine result. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, was the game at Anfield? As it well? was at Anfield too. Yeah. So yeah, I like, mean, you, you can't, you can't that, dog around West that, Ham too it, much. That, of course. No, 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 no. I'm not, I'm definitely not. <laughs> right, it's, right, right. It, it's a good result, but you know, it, it just, it's not good enough right now. And yeah. granted, I mean, Arsenal playing, you know, uh, Liverpool soon. I think just Liverpool just completely are a terrible opponent for Arsenal as we just never seem to be able to do anything against them. But like, it's just, it's just not. It's unfortunately not good enough for them right now. They're in a position where they shot themselves in the foot. They need results, and they're playing good teams, and they're just not getting them. Yeah, it's a bad streak for West Ham for but, sure. And, uh, the one I, team, yeah. As I say, also, I mean, you got to talk. We got to talk about this as well. It's a massive three points for Liverpool. Oh, absolutely. It is. I mean, yeah. the fact that they still have a game versus City as well. It is at the Etihad, but that's probably the biggest remaining fixture of the season at this point of course i mean but liverpool depending what happens in the champions league race look with tottenham beating city it it basically allows liverpool not to control their own destiny completely but the picture looks so different i mean i mean it it is at least within their control to get within three points of city which is huge of course of course because they have that game against them yeah so exactly so it it is it is a massive and and it's um, a yeah. it's a race we didn't think we were going to see um you know right around Boxing Day we thought this was over yeah and Liverpool now have uh, despite what City did to my Red Devils which we'll get to um, but despite that Liverpool still has a better goal difference than City which could be massive uh, come the end Ab- of the season absolutely. absolutely now that goal difference is only it's only a one difference it's fifty to fifty one but the Liverpool you know with with the with you know the goal scoring potential that they have they can definitely keep that gap. It just also shows how much more, you know, how much better these two teams are than everyone else. Oh, I, yeah. mean, I mean, Chelsea, on another level. 
let's, let's talk about Chelsea's 35, by the way. Chelsea have had just, you know, have had, they've feel like they've lost like so many close games. That, like the games they've lost, it feels like, you know, they've, they've lost three, they, but they've drawn eight and they like the draws have just been poor against a lot of teams. They still are 35. Then you look at the next best is Arsenal with 12. I mean, just in terms of the gap between those two teams, then Chelsea and then the rest. The amount that these teams outclass the rest of the league, I think, is, you know, both in terms of goals scored and just in terms of, like, the eye test when you see them playing against these other teams. It's like, yeah, this is not, it, this it, is not it, close. It, it is impressive. Um, and then let's let's go into the next yeah. game. And are we the, the one team that did uphold their end of the Champions League bargain uh, this weekend was Arsenal, uh, who defeat Watford in a pretty close game. It has to be said, 3-2. Uh, definitely both teams put in their all. Uh, but Arsenal come out on top. And as I've said many weeks now running, uh, good teams uh, slip up as Arsenal did against Watford and still come out with results. And that's what Arsenal did this weekend. Absolutely. You know, absolutely true. Watford started off in the first 30 seconds scoring a goal, which was disallowed. And all of a sudden, Arsenal's class came right into play. I think the two big you know, people that we got to look at in this game are Martin Odegaard and Mikhail Saka. I thought this was Odegaard. If you watch this first goal, I mean, a beautiful backheel ball to start the play. Um I, I, I say this every podcast, but I mean, I, I, I kept saying we sold Joe Willick for 25. We got him for 30. I'm just going to forget saying we sold Joe Willick. We got this guy for 30 million. He said, Real, there's a reason Real wanted 50 million for him. And there's a reason with this guy's a Norway captain. He's a phenomenal, um, you know, number 10. And maybe because he's a lefty and he, you know, is very creative, he gives me Ozil vibes. But like, I mean, this guy's fantastic. Look at he's only 23. It's 23. Like, that's scary. If I'm with the other top six club, I'm like, that's scary. If with the whole, what's scary is the fact that if you look at Arsenal's, um, let's take Lacazette out of the equation right now. Odegaard's 23, Saka's 20, turning 21 in September. Um, Martinelli's, I believe, 21 right now, maybe 20. I mean, he, I think he's 20. They're, they're all like, they're all young, they're all college age. How about basically. Smith, who, Smith Rowe, who's been Smith Rowe's what? Is he, is he still a teenager? He he's 20 now. Yeah. No, tw- tw- sorry, 21. Number uh, he's 21, wearing the number 10 jersey. Um, I mean, and Arteta's got a nice problem. I mean, Smith Rowe has been kind of banged up, which is why he hasn't been featured. But uh, Pepe came in, uh, not this game, but last game, you know, it started to made like, an play, impact. Was what made an impact about the fact that he scored in the system. I mean, he was massive. Um, Arteta's got a nice problem to have on his hands right now in terms of actually oh, yeah. young players. Pepe's a little bit older, I believe 25 or 26, but. 26, but yeah. kind of great prompt to have. Uh, difference in this game, clinical. Odegaard, clinical. Mm-hmm. Saka, brilliant second goal. Mar- uh, Marnelli, clinical finish. Um, when, when you put up three goals, you know, you're, 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 you're most likely to win the game if you're a top six team. Watford just, you know, scored two nice goals. The uh, first goal was brilliant uh, on the bicycle, but you know, good, good, good teams figure out a way to win. Arsenal did so. And I said before, most important thing at this point, it's the points. Don't care if you win one nothing or eight nothing. Final result of the weekend, uh, probably the most one-sided derby in football right now. Manchester United, Manchester City, uh, another edition of the Manchester derby, and again it ends pretty much as expected, uh, given the form of these current two teams. Man City destroys Man United four to one, and I don't think uh, any of us are surprised by that. How could you be? Were you? 
No, I didn't. Honestly, I didn't even watch it. Uh, I didn't think <laughs> it would be entertaining, and it, it wasn't uh, when I watched the highlights. <laughs> didn't look like it was an entertaining match. Uh, I doubt it was. Uh, for any of you who watched it, please feel free to correct me if so. Um, I know I committed a sin as a Red Devils fan by not watching the Manchester Derby, but it really, they're not very entertaining to watch right now um, because they're pretty one-sided because City are just in a league of their own uh, or with Liverpool, you could say, in the Prem. And uh, United are definitely not in that same league and it shows every time they play personally for me this game is sitting class i mean mara's brilliant brilliant first goal i mean yeah, for, sorry his first, the first goal he had i mean that that touch off a corner like is world class but this is not about city this is and this is not just about manchester united not sorry man yeah manchester united not playing well it's about their effort in the last mm-hmm. 25 minutes they gave up I mean, I watch the body, the body language was exactly. very telling. Listen, listen to Roy Keane, and I, you know, I think he has some insane takes at times, but he's absolutely right. I mean, there's three or four players on that team that did not deserve to be have, having a Manchester United uh, badge on that uniform. Um, not running back, no effort. The, the, the midfield, you know, you can like quality, but you can't like effort. And I look at someone like Fred who consistently puts an effort oblivious today oblivious during the game couldn't be found mctominay this guy's supposed to be at least like you know getting into physical battles didn't see him one bit so the captain harry Maguire, nothing let's not talk about that uh was it the second goal where he let the ball roll through his legs you know what you know what I know that, you know, I, I know what it looked like. If you watch that real time, I actually think it's a little bit tough. I actually think it's a little bit more at fault for the first goal and not seeing the run one bit and trying to take yeah. out a guy that had an impossible angle. Our, de- our defense, as usual, did not uh, do itself any favors. I do, think that's the conclusion. Do, do you think <laughs> that, I mean, I, I know he does. I know he doesn't have the easiest, you know, choices. I, I don't really know what he, I don't really know what to, you know, uh, Ralph Argnick should have chose, though. I mean, Varane wasn't In terms healthy. of the back four, you mean? Yeah, I mean, Varane wasn't healthy. By the way, Juan Wan-Bissaka was, uh, was shocking. Juan Bissaka has been shockingly poor for this whole season. And I, I think, I, I, I don't understand. It's like he's an entirely different player from last year. Um, he doesn't put effort in any game. He seems to have forgotten how to defend. He seems to have forgotten how to position himself properly. It, it's like he's playing like a winger, not a fullback. And it's, it's, it is shocking. You're right. It, that's the best word. It's, it's, I don't know what's changed. I don't know if he's become like a lot of these United players have seemed to be where he's content to just rest on his laurels as a, as a, a very well-paid player at a, at a high pedigree club. That's never going to do poorly enough that they would consider uh, doing away with him. Um, but yeah, no, Juan Bazaka uh, has been just atrocious. Uh, our entire defense has been atrocious. And, and going back to the question you're asking me, I, I, I can't tell you any better than Rania could as to what our best uh, back, uh, starting back four is. I know Jeff has a, his opinion on it. Uh, he has his conclusion on who should be in that starting back line. Well, well Jeff thinks um, that Harry Maguire is the seventh best center back, on, including yeah. putting Scott McTominay and um, I mean, by, and Phil Jones in front of him. So The fact that we're even considering that argument, though, like, think about that. That that speaks a lot to the state of United's defense right now. It, 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 the offense, I mean, defense does create offense, but the offense wasn't any better. The offense uh, wasn't any better, but the offense at least has the talent, and there's clear-cut uh, players that should be starting there, right? Uh, if anything, it's the same problem that Arteta has, right, where we have a wealth of offensive talent, any of whom could be starting, because none of them are doing particularly well, <laughs> unlike with Arsenal, where it's like they're all doing well. It's the opposite situation, right? But yeah. the, point, the mood point is still, okay, 
there's a wealth of offensive talent there. You uh, would not be faulted for starting any of those players, uh, taking out, uh, or not taking into account their current form, of course. But, uh, you know, the, in terms of the defense, I don't think Maguire should not be starting because uh, he's still, you know, he knows our defense. He's the defensive captain. So taking him out of the starting role would just, you know, send massive shockwaves through a defense that already doesn't appears to be at sixes and sevens every time it steps on the pitch. Um, who are you put next to him? I think the best option is at this point is Lindelof. Uh, I almost want to say at this point, experiment with putting McTominay next to him, see what happens. Maybe that gets McTominay more involved and allows him to employ his physicality more usefully uh, because it's not like Lindelof has done any, has done himself any favors with his performances. I know shout out Jeff for loving Victor Lindelof, but I, I, I don't, Understand that love. How about, how about the hype around Varane? I mean, even when Varane has played, he just can't stay healthy. I know, but even when he's played, hasn't he just not been more than a mediocre defender? I mean, he's I been did... fine. I, I just blame, I, I would blame that on having to get to know a very volatile defensive system um, that changes depending on what Harry Maguire's whims are on a given day. So, and, you know, I don't really put that, I don't, I don't put that blame on Rafael okay. Varane. Um, okay. I think he hasn't had enough consistent starting time to really uh, prove himself in our defense. And he may never, because uh, the, the way his injuries are trending and his health, it, it doesn't it doesn't look too good, honestly, um, especially given his, his advanced age. Yeah. Um, this was a great signing when we first made it, uh, but it relied on him staying healthy as an older player, and he hasn't done so. So right. um, who knows what his future is going to be with United or as uh, his career in general. And people um, said I was nuts. Yeah, and well, people said is- I was. I was just saying. People said I was nuts for saying Ben White was a better signing. This is part of it, though. I mean, you can't predict injuries, but you look uh, at yeah. someone like ben, ben White. I mean. Has Ben White been perfect? No. Is, is, do I think that well, he's he been better be than Veron because he's played more? Absolutely. Do I, <laughs> do I think he should be on the England national team? I do. Start? I don't know. Um, <laughs> I know. No, but you know, he, he's, played, he's, he's played the most men's for Arsenal this year. He's you done what he, he's done. The, he's done more than the bare minimum. I'll, I'll say he's done more than a bare minimum. I, at first, I wanted to say he's done the bare minimum, but that sounds harsh. Uh, no, he's done what I he's had I think, to do. I think he's been a good. I think he's been a good. He's done player. what he's, he's had to do. He's, he's good on the ball. He has a nice partnership with Gabriel. I mean. I don't think I don't think he's a phenomenal defender. Is he worth fifty million? Time no. to tell him that. No, um, I, I still I, say no to that. Um, and, and at the start of the season, I would have disagreed with you. I would have said Varane's absolutely a better signing. But you're right. Um, the way the season pans out, Ben White is absolutely has had a better turnout than Varane. Just uh, even just by the fact that he's had more time on the pitch. So it's it's a really tough spot for Ranić to be in because um, Varane is is. He was supposed to be the guy, and even he might have taken over the captaincy from Harry Maguire eventually. I would have liked to see him take the captaincy over, honestly, given what Maguire's captaincy has turned out to be. Um, but the fact is that he just hasn't stayed healthy, and that's that's really unlucky for United. I think that's the one thing that you can't blame on United themselves in terms of our defensive performance this year. Um, but it has to be factored in at this point, and, and we should have a solution for it by now, and we don't. Our solution is Victor Lindelof, and Victor Lindelof uh, should never be a solution to anything. Yeah, of course. So, so let's, let's, keep, yeah. let's keep rolling with it. I mean, I think that we also um, – it's basically all the games. I don't even think we have to cover a Tottenham game that they won 5-0. Yeah. Okay, Everton stink. There's no there's yep. two ways about it's it. It's bad news for Frank Lampard, but he's got time and he's got the chances. So. Yep, exactly. It's, so it's should, should we move into the Champions League upcoming yep. fixtures? Yeah, we'll start with uh, Liverpool Inter, um, them and Bayern and Salzburg clashing tomorrow. Um, mm-hmm. So Liverpool and Inter, the aggregate there is 2-0. I don't, uh, I don't think any of us, including the guys who aren't here today, Alex, Jeff, Ben, um, I don't think any of us would see a way Inter can crawl their way back into this, I, especially not at Anfield. Yep, I was just going to say, not at Anfield. It, it's unfortunate, you know, that this isn't a closer game. I, I do really think that Inter played a very solid game versus Liverpool. Um, would I be shocked that if Liverpool... The first 70 minutes. 
let's, yes, I agree. let's add that disclaimer. Fair. Yep, fair. I agree. Would, if Inter, would I be shocked if Inter scored the first goal and at least, you know, at some point until Liverpool score, make us, you know, question the, you know, the fact of um, an, an Inter comeback? No, I wouldn't be shocked. Is it going to happen? I don't see it. Um, I, I personally think, I mean, we, we could keep going with it. Um, let's touch on Bayern Salzburg yeah. in a second. Bayern Salzburg, little... I, I see a way for Salzburg to get. It's again, it's at the Allianz. It's 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 Bayern at home, uh, and Bayern are, you know, by far the best Champions League performer over all of the of this decade, uh, the past ten years, let's say. But you know, the Salzburg have a chance. I think they have a chance. But Bayern's form, it, it it it's less about Salzburg, and I think it's more about the form that Bayern have been in. I mean, they just drew one one. They barely beat um they barely beat Frankfurt tied versus Leverkusen, um tied again for Salzburg. I mean they beat Frank they won one nothing in the seventy first minute. Kasane scored a good goal, um but I mean I don't see it ha- again. The, the shakiness is there. Yeah, it, but, yeah. It, it, there there's a, there's a chance. I mean just because of the form that they're in there, they've been in really bad form. So um I, I wouldn't I wouldn't count them out. I think that the, though. I mean, the the biggest game is we don't even need to talk about the Man City Sporting game. They blew them out so bad. No, not, not worth it. it. <laughs> um, this PSG Real Madrid game, and every yeah, I feel like every, I mean, every news that I keep hearing favors Real. Um, Mbappe potentially may miss. I would agree with that. Ramos is out, which it feels like is every single week that Ramos is out. Yeah, I don't, I don't see how that's relevant, honestly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean to, to be honest though, when Ram, I think if Ramos plays and played consistently. This is a completely different team. This Defensively, team, yes. This PSG team, yeah. had, well, first of all, Ramos is very good on corners, is good on the ball. Um, this PSG the leaders, team, the leadership as well. A leadership as well. A defensive leadership that is pretty sorely needed, I would say. They incredibly needed. This yeah. PSG team is not as good as everyone said they were. And I think part of the reason is, is besides Messi, and Dama Ruma, who I think is maybe slightly better than Navas, but Navas, by the way, is a great goalie himself. He's a little bit older. Dama Ruma is great. Navas is getting a lot of disrespect, especially with the Dama Ruma signing, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but besides that, I mean, they, they, they signed Vinaldum. Barely see the guy play. Um, Not an impactful signing. H- Hakimi has been an impactful signing, but he, I think, is more of an offensive-minded guy who just bombs it down the wing. I mean, he's a wing back. Yeah, that's, that's, he's he's an out and out wing back. You know, exactly. you know what you're getting with Hakimi, but he is very good. Very, but do do Real have a good chance at this? Absolutely. Yeah, at they're the at the Bernabeu. They're only at, down zero one. There's no away goal rule anymore. So even if PSG scores one, uh, mm-hmm. I see Real Madrid putting two goals past them at the Bernabeu. It's very visible. Yeah, and I, you know, if you look at player by player, besides for that front three. I think that the majority of players are better on the Real Madrid team. You look at the midfield, Real is better midfield. You look at the defense, better right back, uh, tight on the right back. Be- left better. back for sure, and Alaba, if, if we're calling him a left back, right? Yeah, I mean, he might play center back. Center back. Center, yeah. um, I think Courtois is a phenomenal goalie. Uh, and does not get the respect that he deserves. He's one of the best. I think because of his first season in Madrid, he kind of tarnished True. his reputation there. But he's, well, he's since you know he's gone back to being Thibaut Courtois. So he 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 also he also took play. It was a very bold signing for them to replace a three times champion, back to back to back Champions League winner, and That's before true. that was placed replacing Iker Casillas. So um, he had massive shoes to fill, and now he's filling them and some. I think the only reason why that game was only one nothing was because it was Casillas. Yeah, 
really brilliant. Tony Nakasia's wild card. Oh, well. no, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> so I mean, that that's the big game. What's your prediction for it? Uh, I'm gonna say Real Madrid. I'll say three one. I don't think PSG fails to score, but I think you know at the Bernabeu with the talent that Real Madrid has, I think and, yeah we're gonna see more goals. I think Real Madrid. First of all, obviously they're not gonna come out with the same conservative style they had in the first leg. Um, and I still don't understand where the hate. <laughs> for that came from but we discussed that previously no, I uh, but yeah I, I see this being a much higher scoring affair than the first league i agree with you um i i don't know if i agree on the result i actually see i see a um a 2-2 game i think i think psg is gonna get past it and get by um the thing that's scary is that if psg can get through real they absolutely have a chance. I mean, oh, they it, have a clear is, path to the final it, for sure. It is, a, it is a massive, massive confidence builder. So, um, but I mean, history of choking. If they know themselves, they know they're never safe, uh, no matter how much talent they have. Absolutely. So, I think, look, if, if Mbappe plays, it's a completely different game. So, got to judge it based off that. Um, should be a phenomenal game. Yeah. I but would also, say if Mbappe doesn't play, they have no chance. I agree. Um, it depends how they I utilize Messi. Good. Mm, he's he's past his prime. I'm sorry. Like he's he's not. Both him and Ronaldo are no longer in Champions League changing form. Like I don't I, I, I don't think they can make that big of a difference anymore. I agree. I mean, the guy does lead. You Maybe know, Ronaldo, but it, not Messi. Uh, no, I know. Look, look, Messi has Messi leads the league that league in assists, playing ten less games. You know, he's missed ten games. He still leads the league in assists. We're, we're talking about Champions League or league No, 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 league one. Okay, I, I, yeah. I understand. I understand. But he's played ten less games. Let's not disqualify the fact that Messi's still a world class player. Um, sure. Yeah. You know, he does. Is he? Has he had a drop off season? Sure. Is he playing a new team that may not fit him perfectly? Yes. Um, he is still Leo Messi. Yeah, he's still Leo Messi. He's okay, still Leo so Messi. Ne- never discount that. Um, no, no, no. Okay. Not, but 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 I, I will say it's it, without Mbappe there to 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 be such a big distraction for a defense without, you know, we don't even talk about Neymar anymore because he's not really worth talking about. Um, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't, I can't think of anybody else in that PSG lineup um, other than maybe Hakimi, who's going to be a particular uh, need, like a specific focus for any of the Real Madrid defense. So if they're allowed to focus on Messi, that's one guy to shut down. One guy who is not the same, you know, uh, top two players in the world that he used to be. Uh, one guy who many of those rail, first of all, Real Madrid has been playing against Messi for almost the, you know, for the entire, they know Messi, this club knows Messi, this club knows Messi's style. They know how to shut him down, right. More than any other club. Uh, so I would factor in those things in my argument for why, you know, I don't think Messi alone can make a difference, but it, it's we'll valid. See. It's valid. What you're saying is valid. We'll see, we'll, we'll see how it plays yeah. out. Let's go into, I think what our last topic is going to be, um, is the new rules of the that were proposed? Um, Champions League they, proposed. They're pretty yeah, much going to happen. The, yeah, I it's, mean, I it, it's it's crazy that that's going to be the case because I mean, yeah. do you want to start so let me, about uh, how outrageous they are? Yeah. So let me let me just read through this for us all. Um, this is the proposed new format for the 2024-25 Champions League season. Now, I say proposed in name only because this is pretty much going to happen. Uh, there don't seem to be any sharp indications that this is going to be opposed. At least the majority of this is going to be implemented, uh, pretty much guaranteed um, by 2024. This is the new format that's proposed. We will go to 36 teams up from 32. So that's four additional teams in the tournament. 
Uh, one of the biggest changes now, the group stage uh, format that we know and love is replaced, or some of us love, uh, that is being replaced by a giant league table akin to the typical league table that you'd see with any of the major European domestic leagues, Premier League, uh, Liga, La Liga, any of those uh, where it's just a table with all of the teams and they're all competing for points. Each team plays 10 matches in the first phase, uh, that is five home and five away. That makes for a total of 100 additional games across the 36 teams in the tournament. I repeat, 100 additional Champions League matches. Yeah, I want to stop you right there for a second. Yeah, let, let's stop right there. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I think about when we look at the December to March window, um, kind of from you know, that boxing, you know, right before boxing day on, we are already rescheduling games because of the fact that some teams are playing three games in eight days. Congestion is already a hotbed issue and has been for years. Yeah. I don't like, to me, this is the only problem that I really have with this, with all this. I do think having a table may, it may be interesting. We may get, we may get more matchups. Like that ability that to see last year, I mean, I wish it happened in both legs, but, you know, the Barca-Juve, if Messi yeah. and Ronaldo play against each other. And those individual the, matches will matter more as well. That's, a, that's a positive. There's more, yeah. there's more opportunities. There's going to be, let's say they built that from each team plays 10 games to six games, just like it would have been for a table. Regular, three, regular so that would be three home, three away. Yes. Now, this, now, it's, now, we're, now we're talking. Now it's interesting. But think about the amount of games that are going to be rescheduled. And I don't just think about that for the team. I think about that for the fans in general, for the fans. I mean, how many people are going to come in for, in a year from England, start from non- I mean, if know, your team is playing, like, this could have teams playing as many as four times a week, right? I mean, what fan, how many fans can afford to go to all four games in a week, right? Afford? How about the people Logistics, that travel? Yeah. How about the people that travel that want to go to a certain game? Then it gets rescheduled, but they have mm -hmm. the flights, they have the hotels booked. Like I think about this from a fan perspective, and I don't like it. Do, do, is there more soccer? Yes. Is it good for the players? Probably not, because now we're talking about no. Players. It's absolutely not good for the players. More interesting. I think that they have the in the EPL you have thirty eight games minimum. So you have, That's just crap. Yeah, you just minimum. If you're a from Players. But it's not that's not even minimum because you have like all those teams are participating in the EFL Cup, all those teams are in the FA Cup. So that at a minimum, you're playing even you're already at, as an if we're just thinking about this from the, from a from a Premier League Cubs perspective, if you're a club in the Premier League, you already have three domestic tournaments. You have the Premier League, you have the EFL Cup, and you have the FA Cup. That's already three domestic leagues that you have fixtures, uh, one of them on a weekly basis, the Premier League. And then you have uh, the, the, the FA Cup and the EFL Cups fixtures sprinkled in between. That's already three domestic uh, leagues, three domestic competitions you have to think about. And so now if you're also a club that's in the Champions League, you have to consider all these additional games when your fixture list is already congested out of the mind. I mean, every top six manager, uh, uh, of, of every manager of a top six club has complained about this at some point. Um, and, and again, this is just from a Premier League perspective. This isn't even considering uh, La Liga teams where they have this, the they have the Copa del Rey as well as La Liga. Uh, Ligue 1 has the, the French Cup. Uh, you know, they all have domestic cups that they have to participate in as well, right? And now you're throwing in 100 additional Champions League games spread across 36 teams. Uh, I, I got to do some quick math. Um, but that's, let's say, like three or four additional games 
Uh, and that's just for the regular, that's just for the Champions League regular season. That's not including the playoff games. Uh, I haven't gotten yet to the fact that the ninth through 24th places in the table, the, the top eight teams in the table automatically qualify for the Champions League playoffs. And then the ninth through 24th places enter a two-legged play-in tournament uh, to determine which of them gets to make the round of 16. So you're throwing in additional play, pre-playoff games for these teams that finish uh, in, let's say, you know, in the lower half or the lower top half to mid area of the Champions League table in this new proposed format that are going to have even more additional fixtures uh, to consider. I mean, yeah. if, if, if you're a, if you're a, if you're a manager of a club that has any level of European success, you're looking at this is, this is your worst nightmare. I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. I mean, look, we could go on and on about this for hours. Um, I, I, it's not going to get shut down. I mean, and if it's and too think, much money involved, if, if you, it's say, if you think about it from Orange's perspective, they look at it and they got more ticket sales. Um, you know, and, and then you look at teams competing from ninth to 24th will com- com- compete in a two legged playoff that will secure it's just money. It's just more. First of all, how is that going to work? Are you going to have multiple know. like levels where the teams that make it to the final stage get to determine the, the ninth to 10th? Like it just it makes no sense. It, it doesn't benefit anyone but owners. I mean, we fought off the Super League for this. I think is what a lot of fans are thinking. It's better than the Super League, but oh I, yeah, I of course it's better than the Super League. But I mean, it, it's got a lot of the same trends. It's got a lot of the same ideas that the Super League had. Exactly, exactly. Um, and I think you know, I want to because we we're running short on time. Um, probably gonna only go for another minute or two. But very quick, just want to get your thoughts. I mean, I don't really have too many thoughts on it, so I'll just let you take it away. Abramovich selling Chelsea. Yep. Um, I think it's a it's a great decision politically within the club and also on a global stage, given what's happening between Russia and Ukraine right now. Abramovich, uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, has pretty clear ties to Vladimir Putin and that uh, oligarchy era in Russia uh, that was immediately post-Soviet uh, Union disbanding. So uh, he's made the decision probably in light of those uh, connections and given what uh, is going on with Vladimir Putin in Russia and Ukraine right now um, to... Uh, sell the club and basically distance himself from the club, which I think is a great move politically uh, for Abramovich. It's very intelligent. It's a very intelligent move. Can't fault him for it. I hate the man, but can't fault him for this move. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what potential buyers Chelsea's going to entertain, though. Are they going to go the route of Newcastle, perhaps? Are they going to, um, I mean, under Abramovich, they had a pretty much unlimited stream of cash anyway, but are they going to go the route of Newcastle and, you know, go for off-season ownership that's going to bring in a flush of cash? Uh, are they going to, you know, go with a, a more local owner or someone who's more known within inner Premier League circles already? It, it's very remains to be seen. I think the one quote that I have from this that is most meaningful right now uh, is that Abramovich has said he wants to sell the club to quote a person or group who will continue his policy of investment and look to redevelop Stamford Bridge. Uh, so pretty much right there, he's laid out his two main qualifications for a potential ownership switch. Uh, they need to continue his financial policies when it comes to the club. Uh, and they need to focus on revamping Stamford Bridge. Uh, I wish that the Manchester United ownership would have that second goal more mm-hmm, in mind mm-hmm. when it comes to Old Trafford, um, but it's nice to see Abramovich emphasizing that the stadium continues needs to continue to be modernized and stay with you know the standards that are now in place for these new modern stadiums, and that's something that I wish, uh, as I just said, certain other clubs would pursue as well. But Absolutely. Uh, In terms of his policy of investment, I don't know exactly what he means by that. I know that his financial dealings have gotten Chelsea into a lot of debt. So I'm interested by how potential buyers are going to approach that clause. Um, 
but yeah, overall, definitely a smart move on Abramovich's part. It's just going to be very interesting. Um, and I think Chelsea's future is definitely up in the air currently. Uh, I can, I, ex- exactly. So look, we will see what happens there. Um, with that, I do think that we are basically hit all the topics we wanted and covered time. Do you want me to log us, count us off? Yeah, go for it. So with so, that. Podcast by episode. committee. Yeah, yeah. Another episode of Box to Box. Appreciate you guys listening in. And hopefully we will have a full squad next week. One thing we should do, actually, actually, I'm sorry, before we do end, um, Jeff could participate in this next time and Alex isn't here. We need to give our survivor picks. Oh, yep. That's correct. That's correct. So um, let's pull, let's do that really quick before we do end. Um, so I, I nailed mine for this week, right? I said, uh, what, which one did I say? Who, who did I pick? I think I picked Chelsea. To, yeah, I picked Chelsea not to lose against Burnley. Yep, I had. So that's I pretty I, successful. I think <laughs> I've had City, I've done City and Arsenal so far. Um, I am going to take. Uh, well, let's let let's list them off before we. So we have. Um, We're gonna let's go on match day twenty nine. Yeah, match day twenty nine. Okay, they're kind of all over the place. Maybe I shouldn't use Google for this. Hold on. Everton Wolves, Chelsea, Newcastle. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know what? You, you list them. You got them in front. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Brentford Burnley, Liverpool Brian, Man U Tottenham. Great. Hope have good game written all over it. Everton mm-hmm. Wolves, Leeds, U- Leeds United, uh, Norwich, Southampton, Watford, City Palace, Arsenal, Leicester. Got it. Oh, so some tough ones I, there to choose. From. I haven't used Liverpool yet. I will take them. Uh, think, who's Liverpool playing? Brighton. Oh uh, yeah, um, I don't think I've lived, used Liverpool either, so I will I will take them not to lose. Okay, so with that's now crazy. with that, that's another episode of Box to Box. We'll see how we do, and we'll see you next week. Take care.